This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by LifeWay, publisher of The Sermon on the Mount Bible Study by Jen Wilkin. In this nine-session study, Wilkin invites readers to examine and learn from Jesus' longest recorded message and challenge themselves to think differently about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. With your purchase, you'll also receive access to this study's video sessions. Get your copy today at lifeway.com slash sermon on the mount. Welcome to the Gospel Coalition Podcast, equipping the next generation of believers, pastors, and church leaders to shape life and ministry around the gospel. On today's episode, join Don Carson and Sandy Wilson as they discuss their friendships with Tim Keller, the work of the Gospel Coalition, and the importance of focusing on God's greatness and leading for the benefit of the whole church. Don, it's been an exciting 20 years plus, really since you and Tim met in a cafe in Manhattan. And when you all met to talk about today's problems in the evangelical church and the culture, there was also a personal relationship that developed. Uh, You all fit together in a nice way. Can you tell us more about what that was about? Tim is the sort of pastor that everybody thinks um, is their pastor. Um, They wouldn't be so crass as to say that I'm one of Tim's favorite friends, but that's what they're thinking. (laughs) Uh, How many thousands? Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And I think there's something of that even in the New Testament. John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think that's the way he felt. But I don't think he was so crass as to think, Huh, Jesus loves me more than he loves Peter. Uh, I, I don't think that's the, the way it works. I think you do wonder if Peter thought that though. But, but Peter might have thought that's exactly right. Or he, in John 21, he, he, he acts as if he should have thought like that. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Tim had many friends in different sectors. His, his, his life in the last 10 years revolved around four foci, as far as I can see. Um, Redeemer, of course, and with it, Redeemer City to City, and his writing, and um, nestled in there is preaching in different parts of the world, and TGC is, uh, was part of that as well. And um, f- for those working in one part of this spectrum, they might not have known that much about what he was doing in another spectrum. He, he and I were, were, were never the kinds of friends that would spend a lot of time talking about baseball or current events unless they had theological weight to them. But on the other hand, in terms of talking about um, the gospel and evangelism, cultural apologetics, 
um, uh, understanding our times, uh, reforming the church and so on. We talked frequently, endlessly, at length. I remember once about oh, eight years ago, uh, he had just been doing evangelism at, at Oxford. And I had just been finishing up a week of evangelism in Melbourne, Australia. We, we got back the same weekend, he to New York and me to Chicago, and promptly got on the phone and, and gave each other a report. And we'd both enjoyed ourselves and been challenged uh, enough. We, we both, not, not quite seriously, but, uh, but there was some point to it, wondered if we should quit our current ministries and give ourselves entirely to evangelism in, 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 in one fashion or another. Um, we obviously didn't do it, but uh, it shows how our hearts were beating along the same line. So it was sort of a, a missional relationship. It was a missional, theological, uh, cultural reading relationship uh, where we would talk about texts, but also about people and needs and so in, in that sense, we became very close. Right. Well, it was obvious, you know, to those of us who are on the founding group with you, it was obvious that this was a, a duo. So the two of you decided to invite 40 pastors. All 40 showed up. And when you look at the schedules of those men, uh, you've said before it was a miracle to have 40 out of 40 show up for three days carved out of their busy schedules. Um, you and Tim have tremendous convening power, especially when you put the two of you together. So that might explain some of that. Mm. Uh, I don't think just anybody could convene those 40 people, uh, uh, 40 for 40. Uh, so you and Tim had a tremendous synergy working together and beginning. You from theological, biblical side especially, and Tim from a cultural apologetics and evangelistic side, and being an active pastor, you being an active, active academician. It was just a wonderful match. So here we are, and this is the year 2023 that we've kind of been dreading, waiting for Tim's health to get to the point where he left us. All of us who knew and worked with Tim feel, feel diminished. What do you feel? Diminished. Um, Tim said in my hearing quite a number of times that his favorite meeting every year was the Gospel Coalition Council uh, be, because it, it was a a place that fostered give and take and disagreement. And uh, he, he was clearly an important figure, but he wasn't the only important figure. You took a look, a look uh, around the room um, at, at our council meetings, and there was an amazing group of guys there. Yes, and some of those men are published broadly. Yes. Some of them have huge missional networks. That's right. So it really has been a coalition of networks, not just men. A network of networks. In some yeah. ways, that's correct. Yeah. And um, so it, it was refreshing. It was challenging. Um, but, but it's not as if I feel diminished in the same sense that I felt diminished when my brother died in December. Um, it, it, it was a special kind of ministry connection. And... Um, and uh, the, 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 there was a sense in which that, that was, was a healthy distinction to make. Mm -hmm. um, I'm grateful for the fact that the whole of the Gospel Coalition never did depend solely on him 
or for that matter on me or any other single party. From the beginning, it was an attempt to build a coalition. When we got together in, in our group of 40 and then eventually 50, um, uh, we, we sat around a big square and Tim and I always sat next to each other at the corner uh, so that we could co-chair things and, and prompt one another and so on. And one day, when we were in the midst of discussing something or other, he turned his laptop to me and he was chuckling, giggling. And uh, I wondered what had caught his fancy on, on the tube. And uh, I looked and there it was obvious that something Tim had said 15 minutes earlier um, in the context of relative security, we say what we think and try to be honest and, and so any, anyway, um, one of the other guys in that group of 40 emailed some of his offsiders saying, do you know what Tim Keller just said? <laughs> was it good or bad? <laughs> the offsiders, it was an opinion that they didn't expect from him. Yeah. And uh, one of his offsiders posted it online from his website. And one of Tim's offsiders picked that up on email and emailed Tim and said, Tim, did you really say this? All in 15 minutes. <laughs> and that's what was coming up in his, you know. And when T Tim saw this, he laughed and uh, started with a giggle and became a, a, a hearty laugh. And I've often thought that if that had been somebody else, he might have been deeply offended that he, he lost security and you had to be more careful about... Uh, there's no question that part of the magic of Tim Keller was his grace and humility, and he let things roll off his back. People were accusing him of all sorts of things, yeah. distorting his views, misunderstanding him as a person and his character. He just kept plotting right straight yeah. ahead. And he, he knew how to take criticism and learn from it. So that as a result, uh, if he saw some validity in the criticism, he, he corrected what needed to be corrected. He wasn't defensive. He wasn't jealous for his own reputation in and any when, way, shape, or and form. And when some institution would uh, renege and remove the prize they were going to give him, he still agrees to go and give the lecture, and it was one of the better lectures of his life. That's right. <laughs> That's it was right. terrific. Well, from the beginning uh, till now, there have been some surprises, some disappointments. Give us two or three of those. There's, there are two or three generic surprises. We, we, we envisaged uh, that this could grow. If this was really of the Lord, it could grow pretty quickly and reach a lot of people and so on. But none of us, neither of us, had any inkling that it was going to be as big and as far-reaching as it is today. Um, we hadn't thought about how it would grow, so the fact that it grew in part by people coming to us and asking for us to help them, um, it's surprising only that we hadn't thought of it, but we hadn't, we hadn't thought of it. And one of the reasons why it turned out to be surprising is because we were two or three years into this before we took the principal decision of going primarily digital. And by taking that decision, that meant that things were being circulated all around the world much faster than if it had been by print. And, 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 and so people that we never heard of uh, would listen in their country, often in translation, um, and contact us to, to help out and so, in some way. I mean, we're, we're operating now with uh, 19 languages um, and in I don't know how many countries. Um, but, but in no case did we plot to go there. 
Um, it's people have, have come to us and asked uh, for help to do something so that similar. Surprised you and that was a surprise. Sort of the viral nature of all of it. But, but that was partly because, because we, we took the decision to go digital. Right. And we, we hadn't foreseen ourselves what entailments there were to that. Okay, so with the digital, you get rapid growth. You also get instant responses. So uh, did this eat your lunch as a New Testament professor? <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what happened to your, your, your daily schedule? As a result, one of us had to put a lot of time into it, and I put more time into it than than, right. than Tim did. Um, but uh, but we we hired one or two people who were very good at responding as well, and and uh, they took a lot of that load off me. Um, I, I have always been someone who. I hope, in a useful sense, not just an arrogant sense, doesn't really care what people think of me. <laughs> That's helpful. It, it, it is helpful. Most of the time. Yeah. Unless it's your wife. Yeah. And, and, and depending on what the issue is, too. Yeah. But uh, you, you, most things you just have to let roll off your back. Right. And, and Tim had that in spades. I had it to some extent. And, um, and so what, what I then discovered, which was another surprise, I, I didn't see this one coming, and then I realized I really had to change something. Some of our younger guys, we had so many workers so quickly who were under the age of 30. Uh, we had two in their 40s, and everybody else was less. Uh, then one person was added in, in, in his 50s. But, but this meant that most of our workers uh, doing the, 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 the techie stuff, but also responding to a lot of people and so on, they, they were 27 or 28. Uh, and and um, they, they, they would show something to me and say, this is coming, we've had a hundred voices along this line, what are we going to do about it? I'd look it over and say, nothing. <laughs> Most things you don't, you, you, you aren't worthy of responses. Or if they're worthy of responses, you, they, they get to a certain level of acuity and, and then it's worthwhile giving it serious thought. If someone's complaining about something petty yeah. and you respond, you've just increased the platform. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, but that meant that some of these young guys were carrying big loads that I was too slow to spot. And eventually we, we put some systems in place to, 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 to try to handle that sort of thing and they, they became as hard-bitten as I am. Well, it's the problem of every entrepreneur whose business is growing rapidly. Yeah. You had to move quickly on those things. As we move forward, what are your chief concerns about TGC's ministry? going forward the next 10 years? Some concerns arise out of what most would view as success. Um, when we started out, we were the only ones talking vociferously and constantly about um, the importance of gospel-shaped ministry and gospel-shaped exposition and gospel-shaped evangelism and this sort of thing, where we had concrete uh, understanding of what the gospel is and how, how it ties to biblical theology and, and brings together the whole Bible and, and, and so on. But, but nowadays, um, the success, for lack of a better word, of this emphasis means that there are a lot of people who are using exactly the same vocabulary today without necessarily the same theology or the same, the same convictions. So, so we have to have better ears for what's going on in the culture and seeing where we use the same terminology, seeing where we go after the same truths but in a slightly different way or, or that, that's, we could, we could lose things simply by 
presupposing that we're all on the same page because we, there are more of us using the same language. Right. But it's more complicated than that. Well, if you go back to 2000, 2004 or 5 when TGC was founded, uh, one of the chief sort of uh, Christian evangelical heresies was the emergent church, just an expression of postmodernism in Christian clothing. I think that probably was pressing upon us as much as anything at that time. You may think of others. Uh, what do you see now that uh, means that uh, TGC really has to up their game and engage thoughtfully? I wrote one of the books responding to uh, yes, you did the emerging church, and today it's it's virtually not selling because the movement has passed on. Uh, that was quick, wasn't it? I mean, it just seemed like yesterday that it was growing. It, it grew very fast. Yeah. There's a handful of things that are, that, that are in various stages of acceleration or deceleration. The new atheism, for example, it's, it's still pretty widely spread, but it's weakening. Um, there, there are more and more people who are not connected with the conservative confessional movement who think that the new atheism has gone too far and it's a bit silly at points and historically naive and, and, and so on. But that's still around and the entailments of it are going to flap in our faces for quite some time. It means that the way you do evangelism is different today than the way you did it 25 years ago. Uh, on the other hand, I, I would argue that it's actually slightly easier today to do university evangelism than 25 years ago. Why is that? Um, for two or three reasons. One is, 25 years ago, there were still a lot of students on our university campuses who were in reaction against some sort of Christianized background. Um, now they're mostly so bone ignorant about mm -hmm. Christianized background, they have nothing to react against. This is really news. Yeah. Right. So that if you articulate the gospel respectfully and have discussion and so on, you can, you can go a long way with serious discussion. And um, and so far from feeling uh, uh, terrorized by the, the new atheism, it's, 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 it's almost more, more fun today, more, more challenging, more interesting mm -hmm. than um, 25 or 30 years. So you don't get a knee-jerk reaction like right. you would have with the anti- Oh, yeah, there is a knee-jerk reaction that's, that's culture-driven. You know, the Christians, they're, they're those people over there, the, the stereotype of it. But if they get to know you a little bit, um, it's, it's amazing how far you can get. What other trends uh, do you see emerging? What do you, th what do you think the next five years are going to be dealing with? We're still on the ascendancy to some extent of uh, sexual identity issues. Uh, but that one is beginning to crest. In the last two years in particular, uh, there are more people that are, that are challenging this and saying it's gone to, it looks a bit silly. and, and so I don't know where that's going. It won't surprise me if that one comes down fast. They're really different groups, uh, non-Christian secular groups are warring with each other. Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> that's right. Yes. They're harder with each other on, on each other than they are on us. Yeah. Uh, and that's new. That's, that's six months, a year, year and a half. There, there is a deep-seated, multifaceted suspicion of authority um, of every kind police, uh, family, Where's church, that? Where's institution. Where's that coming from? Uh, sin. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is, it is so endemic yeah. that it's, it's not one issue. It's, it's, it's across the field. And um, 
somewhere along the line, some of our evangelism needs to poke punctures in, in the, the, the hot air of self-justification that, that is bound up with anti-authoritarianism. Because, in, in fact, it's not, it's not so much anti-authoritarianism, it's anti-your authority over against my authority. Everybody wants their own authority. Um, so, so we need to think through carefully and at length how to come through with the authority of Christ and what that means, why that's a good thing. When Tim was asked not too long ago, uh, what, how do you feel about the future? I mean, are you discouraged about the future? He said, well, I'm, with regard to the country, I'm a pessimist. With regard to the church, I'm an optimist. Yeah. Would you agree with that? And if so, why? I would agree with it not on the grounds of reading culture a certain way, but on the grounds of what I take to be biblical theology. And, and we're having this conversation at TGC 23, and we've had two or three plenary addresses. We just had one, in fact, uh, that, that talked about the importance of, of turning to God, of focusing on Him instead of being fearful. How can Christians be be, be fearful all the time if they really do believe that Jesus is on his throne and he's coming back and he's holding the nations to account and, and even if it means a period of suffering and so on. Well, well, from a theological perspective, the, the, the church is on the winning side. What on earth are we frightened of? So, so the, the, there's a theological commitment to Tim's constant reiteration of, of, of that. It's, what, what do you think we are fearful of? Why, why is there so much panic and anger? I think it's several things. In, in some parts of the country, there is so much Christianity around, Christianityism around, that as it diminishes, as it's threatened, we feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not that you're, you're just disagreeing with me, you're threatening my world, you're, t you're taking away my Jesus, and I don't know where you've laid him. And the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, yes. they used to be kind of standing with us, yes. sort of, yes. culturally. They're not standing yes. with us anymore. So now we're a smaller island than we yeah. used to be, right? Yeah. But, but again, a, a bit of a study of church history and a bit of familiarity with what the church faces in other parts of the world um, should alleviate some of that. I know parts of the world where Christians expect to get beaten up. And uh, we don't really expect that. Now we have to have a big sob story and a pity party uh, when, when that happens. And there, there is a sense in which uh, uh, some of these trends are stiffening the backbone of the church. It's becoming a little clearer who's a genuine Christian and who's in it for the politics or who's I, in it for I, the, I agree. whatever. I think the lines are being drawn yeah, more that's clearly. Right. You know, what's been interesting in TGC 23, the sermons that, that we've heard, they really have focused us on Yahweh, yeah. on the great God that That's He is. Exactly. And what you haven't heard is any of the mentality of victim status. Self-pity. Self-pity. When we focus on God, that stuff evaporates. Yes, that's exactly and it's right. the answer to yeah, all the self-pity right. that we're dealing with now. And so far, all of the the plenary sessions that we've had so far have, have, have said that in different ways, but, but yes. said that same thing. They're reinforcing each other. It's been wonderfully refreshing. It has. There's nothing like a vision for God. Yeah. <laughs> Behold your King. Amen. See Jesus. Well, with that, Don, just as your friend, I want to say thank you, as I've said to Tim and you before, for starting this organization. It's a wonderful organization. I don't know another one like it. 
where you, you and Tim convened fellow pastors, Christian workers who are in the trenches and asking them to coalesce and to lead together to do something significant for the whole evangelical church. I don't know anybody like it. Uh, thanks for that. Well, thank you for your word of encouragement, but I, I would quickly add the, the, the lovely thing about it is, is that uh, although Tim is gone, that doesn't mean half our strength is gone because, because the strength has been built into more and more people, uh, people like yourself and so many others of several different generations who are, who are picking up the torch and r running on the next lap. I think that's exactly right. And I think uh, just as the children of Israel were tested in the wilderness, when one of our great champions leaves us, I think we're all tested. And we're all seeing, well, is it a coalition under Christ or was it two champions who had a flash in the pan? And I think you're right. I think this is a movement of God among a lot of people. And it's been great to see it. But this, this is, is an important time for the Gospel Coalition for exactly that reason. Yeah, I think that's right. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Gospel Coalition podcast. Check out more gospel-centered resources at thegospelcoalition.org.